Welcome, everyone, to this episode of the Star Wars Universe podcast. Today, we are continuing our movie rewatch with Jeff Randall and covering Star Wars 3, Revenge of the Sith. We're actually getting close to some good Star Wars movies, we promise, and we're, we're going to start to see some quality in this one. And today, we're actually doing something special. We're going to do this as a live Twitch stream. Uh, Stranded Panda is finding that pandas are actually quite telegenic, and we are going on Twitch more and more these days. Um... So we have a live Twitch stream happening, uh, so we'll be responding in the chat, but also this will go out as a podcast later. Um, and also, we were supposed to have a special guest, Ashley Coffin, who has been um, coming on a lot of other Stranded Panda things recently, including the uh, Panda Vision, where we've been talking about both Umbrella Academy and the boys. Unfortunately, the city of Philadelphia, bleh. Unfortunately, the city of Philadelphia has been cursed by the gods and does not have power, so Ashley is not going to be joining us for the moment. But instead, we have a fill-in, uh, Paul Hoppy, the uh, original co-host of Superhero Ethics, who's also been a part of a number of uh, Star Wars podcasts, including all of the last season of Clone Wars, and has basically been bugging me with his theories about these movies since as long as I can remember. So, with all that, I am super excited to have people on. Um, Paul is the person in the red shirt, someone just asked on chat. Um, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um... So with all that, we will be joining you with a great conversation, uh, live comments from the chat, and other good things, all that and more after this commercial break, which we have no control over. And now we're back. Uh, I'm Matthew S. Fox. I'm your host. I'm joined today by two of my other guests. If you all want to take a moment, introduce yourselves, and... Uh, see how you're feeling about this current movie we're going to talk about. We don't need to get into that so soon. Uh, <laughs> but I am Jeff Randall. Uh, I was, I guess uh, about me is that I was on the Mandalorian rewatch and uh, have been a part of this movie rewatch thus far. Um, and it has been quite a minute since we, uh, we did our last one because we've been <laughs> So busy with so many other things. Definitely true. I'm Paul Hoppy. Um, we've done some, let's see, most recently we did, uh, I think, Superhero Ethics number 101, yep. which was sort of uh, Team Cap versus Team Tony. And uh, that featured a blackout of my very own, yeah. which was <laughs> very exciting uh, midstream. So, well, it wasn't a stream, so just as well. Um, and uh, the Revenge of the Sith is a movie that I saw in the theater and then did not see again for, um, I guess, about, what was it, 15 years? Um, and when the Clone Wars Season 7 came out and Matthew and I did a episode-by-episode episode, um, podcasting of that. Review. Episode-by-episode uh, review. Episode-by-episode review. Episode review of that um at the end you know it dovetails into revenge of the sith so i thought i would rewatch revenge of the sith and it was more enjoyable <laughs> yeah than the first time <laughs> um with that sort of additional context um but then also more disappointing when it kind of goes south yeah i think one thing we'll be talking about a lot i think is how different the movie seems if you have or have not watched the tv show the clone wars because mm. Um, Jeff and I have been talking in our discussions about the first two movies about how it really seems like there are so many places where you have to fill in the gaps, where it tells you, 
okay, now these two characters feel this way, but oh, now these characters feel that way. And it doesn't make sense how they got from point A to point B. The Clone Wars TV show does a great job of making those connections, and it makes some parts of Revenge of the Sith a lot better, but there's still so many parts that are so bad. So we're going to um, try to find some good. We have at least one person who's written in with some good good points about it, as well as perhaps highlight some of the things that we didn't love. You know, you know Jar Jar Binks is still in it, Ugh. so there, there are some problems. He still has um, speaking lines. Yes. I feel like I missed that. Oh, well, <laughs> maybe I, I blacked just out what happened. <laughs> I just I just Jedi mind tricked myself. Although the fact that Jar Jar Binks oh, is basically is basically the equivalent of the Trump supporter in this kind of makes sense for me. Oof. Um cuz he's the one who finally gives over all power to the emperor. Yep. Um Oh, great. So I'm so exactly. happy that that uh comparison can even exist. <laughs> Oh, no, wait, I'm, so, not, uh, I'm not happy about that. <laughs> Jeff, what are your uh, overall thoughts about this I movie? I just said I'm not happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I, I'm trying to align my thoughts where I, it doesn't just sound like I'm ranting about the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's really difficult to do because there are so many things that could have been so much better. And, you know, that's why... That's why I started uh, Monday Morning Movie Medics is because there are so many movies that just let us down because their story or their plot just didn't quite make sense. But like, it felt like everything in this movie went wrong. Like there were there were so many times where I like I paused it in the middle of it. Like for instance, when um, the or Order 66 was going on and C-3PO walks up to Padme and he's like, I'm sure he'll be fine. And like he's he's saying that he's at the temple he's fine i'm like you could see the inferno right there out the window <laughs> he's it's right there and like visually there were a lot of things that also didn't make sense to go along with the story not being complete but then because it's pg-13 now i guess they're able to like cut a guy's head off they're able to have like really cool looking lightsaber fights where, you know, the mm-hmm. sparks are flying from everywhere down in the hallways. Like it, I guess that is supposed to save it, but like, I'm not, I'm not in high school anymore. So a fight scene doesn't save a movie for me anymore. And it didn't yeah. then. And I don't know why I was, I was just now trying to say that like it did then because it didn't. Yeah. I, I remember going to see this movie in theaters, and I'd, I'd been super excited for Phantom Menace, had my hopes crushed. And then, you know, Attack of the Clones was, you know, the first time your ex kind of comes back and is like, no, listen, I've changed. <laughs> I heard you were upset. I think we can make this work. And then Lucy pulls the football away again, you know, yep. to mix two metaphors terribly. Um, Shame on you. And, like... <laughs> I feel like the best way to describe my feelings about this third movie the first time I watched it would be the um, Offspring song, Self-Esteem. Yeah. Because it's now that point at which I'm just so desperate for anything good, for any attention, for any Star Wars time that, you know, I may be dumb, I'm not a dweeb. When George Lucas comes around (laughs) looking to score, okay, this metaphor's gone into a terrible, terrible place. But the the point being, I kind of liked it. I liked it the first time I saw it because in that kind of like parched man in a, in a you know in a desert kind of a way right. like bad water is still wet um 
This movie to me is miles better than the first two prequels. Yeah, but that's such a low um, bar. I well, I know. Yeah, um, yeah, miles in space is not very far. <laughs> also, sorry, my uh, headphones keep falling out. Um, I'll edit this out, but that's why people on Twitch are like, "Why the hell is he playing with his ear?" Ugh. <laughs> One moment. That's your that's your tick. We can tell that you're lying by you playing yeah. with your ear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Say you enjoyed yeah. it. I like right. this movie. Uh... <laughs> well, no, that's the point. And then. Literally that night, we're in a diner eating fries and milkshakes and talking about the movie. And more and more of the holes in it are occurring to me. And more and more of those, like, you know, yeah, but but he really loves me even when he says these terrible things to me. Uh, you know, I definitely had the, like, intervention by my friends of no. And then I went to see it again. And it was just, there are some good parts. It's better than the first two prequels. But, I mean, Jeff, you and I have been talking this whole time about how we feel like they the setup for everything was so bad and it just felt like they kept building and building and building these terrible things. And then we get to the things that this movie, that this whole trilogy has to do, you know, show the fall of the Jedi, show the death of, of the show, the execution of the Jedi show, um, Anakin's true fall, uh, show the emergence of Darth Vader. And because those story beats are just done so badly because the setup of them is so badly, it just means the whole movie is kind of a failure. I I don't know that I believe that they needed to show the fall of the Jedi. Like, mm. I would have been okay with this. Is I guess this is going back to how we were talking about like they could have gone into a whole thing on uh, on the Senate and like the trade federation and why like com- you know corporations shouldn't be involved in politics and that whole discussion uh and and like you know multiple trilogies for this prequel series so to speak but i guess that's the right. mcu um the mcu caster in me that is just like i've seen a shared universe like this work across you know 22 movies i know that this can happen uh, if yeah. the fandom is there, if the fan base is there, but like, if they if they instead of having just three movies that had like ten year gaps in them, or whatever, like if instead of doing that they had shown like a whole big thing where Anakin wasn't even in there, but like the Jedi were too arrogant and easily corruptible, and like that's how Dooku was was born or whatever, like that's how Count Dooku became a thing, and then. Yeah. You know, you could have a uh, young Qui-Gon coming up, you know, in there and then yeah. show like, you know, why, why any of that happened. And then eventually get to Anakin was doomed from the start because he came into this organization that was already so arrogant that they were corruptible, like, you know, at the drop right. of a hat. And just, we didn't get any of that. They, they rushed through all of it. Just like, no, it has to happen. Just, just go. Like, this is the way that it has to be. I, we've talked about this before, but they, they tried to take some of the most nuanced, complex stories in the Star Wars universe and then put them into a kid's show. Um, right. And I think that's, you know, it. it I think you're right. They, they just tried to do so much and it didn't really come together. And yet they succeeded at doing a lot of that when they literally put them into a kid's show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that's the funniest you know? part. Okay. Well, I mean, it fails when it gets into a kid's movie. 
<laughs> yeah. Because they're trying yes. to put, you know, yeah. seven seasons worth of content into two, two and a half hours. And yeah. it just doesn't work like that. Well, yeah, it kind of collapses under its own weight. And I think part of it is that, and again, I don't have kids. And so other folks who do might have more comments on this. But it feels like Lucas and, and like the folks working with him just don't really trust children to be able to understand serious concepts because Mm -hmm. I'm amazed a lot of my favorite television and some of it is more recent like Shira, but also some older stuff, which was certainly around some of the the time that this came out, you know, um, Batman, the animated series, uh, Avatar, the last airbender, the clone wars, all of those are ostensibly kid shows that deal with very complex, nuanced topics on a granted. They do it in a TV show version, not a movie, but I, I just think somewhere along the way, Lucas was decided not only did he have to be for kids, but everything had to be super black and white. Everything had to be clear cut. Here's the good guys. Here's the bad guys. Even though the whole point of his story is that it's not that. There's heroes on both sides. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good. I, I, I think um, there, you're completely right. There's just so little trust in the audience, not just of kids, you know, but just lack of trust that the viewer can figure anything out yeah and so things are just stated very um just literally and there's a, just a dearth of nuance and right. um it just misses out on a lot of what it it could have had um which the Clone Wars series especially the last season yeah. <laughs> uh, really manages to capture yeah um je- je- let's kind of go through different parts of the movie and i I think one of the biggest problems I have is that sometimes it just throws out ideas or concepts that seem like they're leaning towards some more nuance, but they don't back them up in any way. Um, and, and Jeff made offhand reference to it. I'm going to read a bit from the opening <laughs> scrawl of the movie. Um, War! Exclamation point. The Republic is crumbling under attacks by the ruthless Sith Lord Count Dooku. There are heroes on both sides. Evil is everywhere. Who are the heroes on the separatist side that we get introduced to in this movie? <laughs> I'm struggling. Yeah, I think we just listed them all. <laughs> Grievous? Like, I mean... He, he seems pretty malicious, yeah. but like we don't get a lot of backstory on him, right? I mean, it's also maybe a little tragic. I don't know. He's kind of advancing robotic life, and, and our former right. co-host of Superhero Ethics, Jacob Malichich, would like be in favor of that. Um... I mean, I'm not going to go into politics much, but like, honestly, like I, I read that now and I just think about Trump yeah. talking about that rally and saying, you know, there's good people on both sides. Like, I would love it if they told us a story where there's heroes on both sides. Yeah. I would love to know who are the good guys on the, the separatist side who have a point. Um, but then the movie doesn't do anything with it. Right? Yeah, like, where's it my does. Loki? Where's my Loki story? Right. Yeah. And... Honestly, like if you're if you're going to stick with the movie as planned and have everybody be the way that they currently are, I think it would have been better, you know, a little easier at least to to justify the word champions. Say there are champions mm. on both sides because like, right. you know, sure. they're a champion of their people. That's easy. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah. 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 But like, yeah, like the separatists might be completely right. Like we don't yeah, know. But we were never given. Like, they never really get into like. What, right, exactly. Yeah. And that's, I think, a major failing. Um, so the entire Separatist army is, I mean, it's mostly droids, and they're just 
they're run and manipulated by, you know, a Sith Lord or two. <laughs> and then it's like, okay, Hands well, Sith you're not really giving us much in terms <laughs> of, uh, you know, motivation, yeah. really. It feels like everything in this movie is show don't is tell instead of show. Tell don't you know? show. They yeah. tell us that if they kill General Grievous, the war will be over. Right. I have no idea why. I don't understand right, right, why right. all these separatist leaders would all decide to stop fighting. It, other than obviously Palpatine's pulling all the strings. They tell yeah. us that now Anakin and um, Padme are even more in love. Uh, and I'm going to quote: <laughs> I, I, I am a lover of rom coms, and so I like silly romantic dialogue. And I, I still maintain that sand is rough is one of the worst lines we've ever heard. But I think that there's actually, it's possible that what's in here is worse. Oh, yeah? Um, actually, Paul, c- can you find the section I'm talking about in the notes where it starts with, uh, you, right under the words, no chemistry? You are so beautiful. That's only because That's... I'm so in love. No, it's because I'm so in love with you. Now, Paul, you <laughs> knew me when I was a young man in my teens struggling to find romance and you overheard some of the awful romantic things i said to young women at the time i'm pretty sure none of them were this bad <laughs> i mean they were not the best <laughs> yeah. but they weren't the worst and this is i i'm still gonna go with sand yeah um and the worst line in this movie comes towards the end but um but yeah this is yeah it's hard to it's just I have no words. Yeah, and it's there's a part of me that is so angry that they took an actress as good as Natalie Portman. Like, yeah, Ewan McGregor actually gets to do some good things. He's totally wasted. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we've already talked about how Samuel Jackson just seems like he's in a different movie, and that's whatever. Yeah. Um, but Natalie Portman has just given such awful dialogue. It's brutal. I don't think it's just Natalie Portman, though. I think it's it's everybody. Every single person in in this movie was given like awful dialogue and awful direction. Because uh, yeah. if you watch yeah. um, Samuel L. Jackson as Mace Windu talking to anybody for any reason and any part of this movie that he was in, <laughs> you're like, I know this guy's a better actor than this. Like, I know he is. I've seen him be better than this. I've seen him be better than this prior to this movie in our timeline. Yeah. Oh, in this series, yeah. Oh, you think he was worse in this than he was in uh, Clones? No. No, no, no. When I I mean, sorry, when I say our timeline, I mean, like, other movies that he did prior to 2003 or 4, whenever this movie came out. Oh, yeah. Well, now... PG-13, doesn't it mean that 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 allows them to have one F-bomb? One, yeah. Couldn't it have been, like, Palpatine, you are motherfucking out of office? I mean, like, you know, like... (laughs) Couldn't there have been, you know, some, like, I am sick of these motherfucking Sith and this motherfucking Senate? Like... That's true. Well, yeah, Uh, you know. But, yeah, no, no, but definitely motherfucking Sith, I think, would have been a good... (laughs) Something like that. (laughs) This motherfucking Sith... Off of this, and then he gets killed. But all right, so, all right. Let, let's have some structure, though. I don't just want this to be a rant fest. I want us to get right, some right, actual right. like direction here. Okay. So okay. let's talk about kind of character by character. So I think we, we've talked a good deal about sort of the overall plot and all the problems with it. Um, yeah. Let's talk about like character by character, and then we'll get into the the overall plot stories. Um, 
So, and let's kind of start small. So Mace Windu, I think we've talked about. Um, Padme. Padme. Um, <laughs> I love that you I, said, let's start small. She's, she's the... Yeah. And they went to Padme. Well, she's she's the only female character in the movie, right? And like basically one of two in the trilogy that I can remember. That's yes, like, I mean, and like it, it is the ultimate reversion of the Bechtel test because the only two right. women we have a star, Anakin, who's the star of the whole thing. The only yeah. two women are his wife and his mother. Like I know, I know, and like her only purpose in this episode is basically to get pregnant and sick and die. Yeah, like that's her. That's her entire yep. line, and it's just like I, I, I have no words. <laughs> <laughs> I only have this. It's not great for a podcast, but it's just yeah. It, I mean, it, yeah, it's just like, what are you doing? And um, the fact that she is such a, a brilliant actress and is so wasted, and that the character, like, it does provide some. Like, the character basically exists to provide a reason for Anakin to like turn right right and so whenever you have a character who that's like their entire existence that's that's a hard thing right and in the series in the clone wars series um you know she has motivations and she does things right and you know she's she's in the you know she's in the senate right and um but like it, there's just it feels like there's none of that in this in this movie. They just it, I mean the character and the actress are just are just wasted. Yeah, and I think because the one thing she does do in both the second movie and this one is she's a little bit of of a voice of the political like opposition to yeah. Palpatine, you know, and she says yeah. some interesting things. Um, and, and you're right in the Clone Wars especially she she she's there's many episodes where she's trying to lead diplomatic miss- missions to the separatists, things like that. Yeah, we have none of that in this. And so um, I thought one of the more interesting lines, at one point she says, what if the Republic becomes the very evil we're fighting to destroy? Which, oh, wow, somebody found the plot. That's awesome. <laughs> um, right, yeah. And like, to me, it goes to the storyline that I really like, this whole idea of, you know, by getting lost in a fight against evil, you can become evil. Um, but she then says, this war represents a failure to listen. Let diplomacy resume. I know what she's talking about from the show, but right. in the movies, have we seen it? What, what diplomacy is there to resume? Have, what listening is there? We haven't heard a word from the separatists yeah. right? in the movies. Like, have, is their viewpoint ever brought forth or is there just an army of droids and account and, um, a grievous with grievances? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good, good, good. Top shelf dad joke there, sir. <laughs> very well, very well done. Um, yeah, like for you, Jeff, someone who hasn't seen Clone Wars, I, the show, I assume that line just that it, it, there's just nothing for it to connect to. Yeah, no. Yeah, and of course, I mean those episodes were filmed of the show years after this movie was made, so it's not even yeah. like Lucas could claim that. Um, right, right. It, it wasn't fun. Yeah. Mm. Um. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate yeah. that we have to watch a series that came out like eight years after the movie came out to better understand the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it does make the movie better, and I feel like it gives me a better picture of the Star Wars universe. But there's still I mean it just it does it doesn't cure the bad acting and the bad dialogue and any of that. Yeah. 
Um, what does cure the bad acting is if you watched it dub in another language that you only mostly understand. <laughs> and then you're like, eh, all right, I'm just trying to figure out what they're saying. And so honestly, like I enjoyed it a little more than I would have because I watched it in Spanish. And like, I understand almost all the words, okay. and, you know, but like, you know, the, the performances and the direction, it's a little like disjointed in this way that. I don't know, when you see live action, there's a way that lines can kind of sit there and, like, rot. Yeah. <laughs> that, that if you're watching animation, it doesn't do quite the same thing because you don't see the person who had to say that line. Right. And when something's dubbed, you're also not, you're seeing a physical human, but you're not seeing the person who said that exact line. Yeah. Um, so... You know, I recommend it if you, you know, <laughs> if you're trying to learn one of those languages. You want to give it a try. Exactly, exactly. Or like watch it with uh, subtitles and like, you know, closed captions. You can just turn the sound oh, off. Turn that's, the sound that's off. Good idea. <laughs> just turn the sound off. I, I had um, subtitles on and the sound on, and I was, I think I was more mad because I kept reading it just like, this is a bad line. <laughs> this is written poorly. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Vibrant Jax is cheering you. I think that's to Paul, but it could, could be to Jeff. But either way, thank you, Vibrant Jackson. <laughs> Um, Tiger Eyes, who has dubbed me the cement mixer of metaphors, which I think I want written on my tombstone. That is a great comment. Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was good. Uh, they've also asked a great question about Order sixty six that we'll get to. Um, uh, General Grievous. Um, he doesn't really have a General character Grievance. arc of any, of any kind. General Grievance, <laughs> I like it. Um, I, I do. I I just like him though. I I find like this yeah. robotic man who coughs. Um, and who right, just right. Has, is so fanatically angry at the Jedi. Um, but why? He only gets to do it, I think, once or twice in this movie. But the way he just says with utter disdain, Kenobi, is just like, <laughs> <laughs> it brings my heart just a little bit of joy. I feel like he's the only character who has, like, a thing about him that's, like, not essential to the plot. Like, the fact that he coughs. Yeah. And, like, randomly hates Jedi for no apparent <laughs> clear reason i don't know maybe they cut off all his limbs and then he then he became robotic or something i don't know it's unclear yeah which um, direction did like, he start from was he a robot that wanted right. to become a real boy or did he go the route of the anakin so I, i've actually been told by um uh riki hayashi who's another co-host of star wars when we talk about the clone wars uh him and his wife sarah um that if you read either a novel or a comic that they do go more into the backstory of grievous and that he was a real boy that he was destroyed by the Jedi and like only had like a couple parts left. And so they rebuilt a robotic version of him around those parts. Um, now the fact that in order to understand the TV show, you have to have read a book, which you also have to right. understand. You need both of which to understand the movie. Yeah, um, yeah. It's a little... it, in a weird way, it makes me actually all the more appreciative of the MCU and mm. a little bit more forgiving of the thing that I've always disliked about the MCU, which is, there have been so many moments where I wanted them to bring in the TV characters, you know, like yeah. in Civil War or any time a Marvel character is dealing with legal issues. Why isn't Matt Murdock their lawyer? You know, right. but but this reminds me, I think, that the problem there is if someone you, you have to make sure the movie is enjoyable to who hasn't whoever hasn't seen the TV show. Right. Um, it has to stand on its own. Right. And I mean, Star Wars, that doesn't even count because the TV show wasn't made yet. But even if the book had been written <laughs> right, like. Right. Yeah. If you have to go read, some there were a lot of books that have been written. Yeah, and I think I think the general grievous storyline existed in those, but for this, he just makes no sense. Um. Yeah, but seriously, think of one 
thing about any character in this movie that is not like their purpose in the movie. Like just a detail about them. Yeah, he's You're super right. like unique. a quirk. There's nothing. Like <sighs> Grievous coughing is like the one quirk <laughs> that any character has in like the whole movie. Right. Yeah, like- and it's like the opposite of the wire. <laughs> yes. <right? laughs> Where on the wire, every character there's something about them that makes them a little different from any other character. Every character is a person. Right. Here it's like every character is a character for the purposes of moving the plot in this direction or that direction. Like even like Padme, I would sort of say with her outfits and hair. Although God, there's a lot sure. of misogyny in giving the only female character like her only thing is how she looks. But even yeah. there, like in this movie, she basically starts wearing the Leia Princess Leia um, hairstyle. You know the croissants right. on the stop side of her yeah. head. Um, and that also is just like, so it's not just a quirk. It's, it's feeding into this thing. Right. right. Um, I, Grievous to me also connects to the whole scene of the battle at the front. And I'll say like, this is the only movie where we actually get like a battle between capital ships. Um, we sort of get it in Return of the Jedi, but mostly not. Um, and I was so excited to see that when it started. And then it just like, there's no military strategy. There's no, like, right. interesting moves. It's just these ships hanging in space firing turbo lasers at each other. Um, so one more just moment of uh, excitement that turns to disappointment. While they make offhand references to, oh, nope, you this happened in that situation, that happened in this situation. Um, which Is there a blockade? Is that what's going on there? Or is it just... I, I think it... No, it's that there... Uh, wait, uh, actually, let's go to the crawl. It will tell us. Because I think, like, a blockade in space is actually a really interesting idea. Right. Like, you're trying to blockade a, a planet, it, you know, the three-dimensionality, which I, I feel like very rarely um, yeah. ever gets, you know. It, it's like, oh, no, there's just some ships in the way. It's like, okay, but can you go wrap over or that? Or, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, um, apparently, according to Tiger Eyes, Jeff is grievous now. I don't really know, but we're just going to share this moment. Um, okay. But, yeah, according to the crawl... In a stunning move, the fiendish droid leader, General Grievous, has swept into the Republic capital, kidnapped Chancellor Palpatine, leader of the Galactic Senate. As the Separatist droid armory attempts to flee the besieged capital. So I guess the idea is that the the fleet all of a sudden just showed up and now has the capital under siege while they're trying to get away. They're trying to lay it out on a two-dimensional map where everybody's got horses and swords, but we don't what? have that. You can't see the guys coming because they go into subspace or whatever. You know, they've got their hyperdrive active and they just kind of show up. They're here now. They're just fucking here now. It is a little bit like, well, why didn't so, they do like, that before? These, these like, I... saying blockades and, like, these military tactics and everything for, right. like, yeah. a risk type of situation does not work. It doesn't apply here. The rules yeah. have changed. And, and so let's use that to talk about Dooku, who doesn't get much time in this movie. Again, frustrating, because <laughs> he could have been so much more. Um, yeah. Another great actor. Another, yeah, another great actor. Completely lost. Um, yeah. but, so, but, but so we have a moment where, first of all, Palpatine is being held prisoner on the throne room that has been built into Grievous' <laughs> ship. Not quite sure I get that. Um, but, but so what's our take on the Dooku versus, uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan fight scene and, and Dooku's motivations and, and, and what, what happens to, to poor old, uh, uh, Count Dooku? 
Well, Dooku was no longer needed for whatever story was in Lucas's head, so... I mean, it's basically like the end of Return of the Jedi, right? Right. I mean, where where it's like, oh, you're my new apprentice, go kill the old apprentice, and then you'll be, uh, you'll be my, my new apprentice, whatever. Um, and I feel like there's some elements in that scene that are good. Yeah. Um, the fact that Palpatine's being held prisoner on a throne seems... I don't know. Maybe you want to think twice about that <laughs> if you're a Jedi. Like, what? It, it seems like you're just chilling. Like <laughs> Christopher Lee does get to deliver one of my favorite lines in the movie. Um, double the pro- uh, twice the pride, double the fall. Um, it yeah. sounds nifty. Um, right. And the yeah. whole idea of like that this twice. being part of Anakin's fall. You're right. I think this is kind of what was suppo- what Luke was supposed to do. If this is where Anakin starts to embrace his anger, give in to the dark side. Here's my yeah. question, though. Vader had the plan that Vader was trying to continue the rule of two, that he was right. going to turn Luke, but that he was going to stay the master, and the two of them were going to turn on Palpatine. Yeah. What's Dooku's plan? And how does Dooku see any way of this ending that doesn't involve him dying? Because how can he not imagine <laughs> that if he succeeds in turning Anakin... Palpatine won't say, cool, rule of two, kill Dooku. Sorry, like, I was I just laughed at, at chat. Haley Hobbs 89 says, Palps was just checking if he liked that swivel chair. <laughs> just it out. You know. I like it. I oh, like it a lot. This is nice. I'm keeping I'm gonna get one of these in the Senate. It's like, do I want one of the fixed ones that's welded into the ground? Or one that I can do I want casters on everything? it? Yeah, I mean, look, it's a hard choice, man. It's a hard question. But, it yep. is, it is. but yeah, does Dooku have any motivation that makes any sense? I keep wanting to. What? I keep wanting to answer that question with like, but in that movie that we made in our heads and and we made to fix it. Yeah. Yes, he does. <laughs> but without. <laughs> Without Monday Morning Movie Medics doing an entirely new trilogy, this doesn't work. Which, by the way, how many people think that would be a great episode or set of episodes for Monday Morning Movie Medics? That's like all we've gotten in the way of feedback. It's just like, fix it, fix this, fix this, fix this. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, do you know how big an undertaking that is? Yeah, but not I'm not only. <laughs> Like, not only for us to sit down and freaking talk about it and, and figure it out, but, like, the fandom. Yeah. We would get ripped apart. Yeah. I, I will say, I, I'm so glad for our particular fans. Jeff has been, we had a great moment where Jeff has been very concerned about the Star Wars fandom coming at us if we don't do things right. Um, and then I, I spent a long time reassuring Jeff that wasn't the case. And then we got an angry email from a Star Wars fan. Um, but for the most part, you fans have been awesome. We're loving the feedback. I'm going to read some of it later. Uh, so for sure, let's keep that up to, to show Jeff that we, that we can dip our toe into the, the, the nice portion of the Star Wars fandom. We have the nice shallow end here. Um, that shallow end, I mean, I think we're the deep end. But yeah, anyway, we're, we're going to cut off that whole line. The, you can drown in the shallow end, too. <laughs> the West Fox cement mixture of metaphors is turning again, so we got to be yeah. careful. Yeah. Um, okay, you can so, drown in that, too. So I think, I mean, I think we're now, I, I wanted us to do a heroic, like, by hero thing, but I think we just got to go plot point, because it just doesn't really make sense. Um, 
I mean, that's what the movie is. It's just a series of plot <laughs> yeah, points. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It is. It's it's like somebody wrote an outline. This is what needs to happen in this movie. Da, 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 and then they're just like, okay, let me type that up in a night. Like, honestly, <laughs> I like I seriously yeah. like it just feels like somebody was just like, bang, there's the script. Okay. And they're like, uh, yeah, cool. Yeah. You know. <laughs> no, yeah, that's um, cool. Well, Shoot it. That, this character has something interesting about them. Um, can we can we take that out? <laughs> yeah. Can we get can rid we of any of this up some more? Yeah. Um, can there, we there have are all some of more... the Jedi wear beige? <laughs> <laughs> more beige. More beige. There are some more uh, returns to the the, the storyline that I'm at least interested in. This whole idea of um, you know how how the how the fear of loss and all that can can be a path to the dark side. Uh, literally, that that's a line. I think it's from Yoda. Fear of loss is a path to the dark side. Mourn them, do not miss miss them, do not train yourself to let go of all you fear to lose. And at twelve, when I first heard this philosophy, I thought it was brilliant. Now and here again, I don't know if the writers intended this, and it was a kind of brilliant moment, or the the writers just missed what they were doing, but. To me, that line now is a is at least indicating the, why the Jedi are so lost. Because I don't think there's any realistic way a hero can ever live up to that, right? Isn't that something we keep seeing in all the other hero stories we're seeing? That like telling a hero you have to just train to let let yourself go of everything you fear to lose. That that's just not possible, is it? It doesn't seem to me like the way of letting go either, really. Like being like, let go, let go, let go. You know, like it, it feels like so like just like brute force and not like. I don't wanna. Oh my God, it's a fear I of mean, attachment. You're embracing a right, fear of exactly. attachment. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and I mean, the the path towards detachment um, or towards not being attached is is not by rejecting attachment. It's literally by letting go of it. Right. Right. And, you know, like, I, I feel like there's some philosophy there um, for sure, but it's not presented in it. All. It's like, it's just so heavy handed and it, there's, there's no um, way of actually doing that presented. It's just like, yo, you got to do this. Yeah. You know, as opposed to like, here's how you let go or here's why, or um, it, it's just, it feels very like dogmatic and rigid and um, almost antithetical to what it is. Right. You got to let go because we said so. Yeah. But why? Right. But we said so. Yeah. How about, how about you, you let go of that? Idea? No, but remember, yeah, right. The Jedi are going to say, go. the Jedi are going to say that you must let go of everything. Don't question it. Just do it. But only the right. Sith speak in absolutes. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It, it's like the, the Jedi just feel so unwise right. in this movie, which is cool, kind of, actually. That's maybe one of the better things about the movie. Yeah. That's sort of the point, right? But then it also feels like that's not the point. Like, like it's not like they're really trying to make that point. Right. Like, it's almost like by accident in some ways. Yeah, um, and, and it's... I see that point now so much through the lens of the Clone Wars and also The Last Jedi, which I, I, I love. Mm. I know that's a pretty controversial statement. That's fine. But I I really like its perspective of, you know, that the Jedi had completely fallen and had to had to fall. Um, and I will say um, Star Wars Rebels, um, I don't want to spoil anything, but there's a moment in Star Wars Rebels that underlines that same thought. And if that was intended, it's brilliant, but it's so 
The idea that they could do something that subtly in a movie where everything else is so heavy handed it. is hard to. Right. I, I, yeah. I kind of feel like maybe the Clone Wars and the Last Jedi writers were like, wait a minute. I don't think the writers meant to do this, but let's pretend they did and just run with it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think there's some effort to show a certain level of hubris right. and a certain level of like, oh, well, we're just going to, you know, go do this and everything's going to be fine. Um, but I think it's, it's more. I think what their intention was, was that they're kind of blinded to everything by their hubris. And that's why they can't see, you know, that Palpatine's a Sith, just right. like chilling right in their, you know, their headquarters place, basically. Um, and, I, you know, the, the sort of hubris of, you know, of all their dogma and their, their idea that, no, this is the one way um, when... You know, it, it's so it's like their philosophy just doesn't make sense holistically, mm-hmm. really. Um, and I don't think yeah. that was. And like, it's unfortunate yeah. that uh, there's no there's no growth of these characters. There's no learning from this movie for characters like Yoda, because later in, or, right. you know, later in quotes in the timeline, um Yoda is trying to teach Luke. No, you just got to let go of everything. It's like, dude, that didn't work. That didn't work on his dad. It's not going to work yeah. on him. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. And then Luke's like, uh, nope, bye. I'm going to go. Uh... And, and, and well, here's the thing. In the TV show Clone Wars, Yoda actually does a lot of that and has a, some real moments of introspection and like, wow, here's how the failings of the Jedi screwed up. And I yeah. do see that the way he trains he Luke is different if you get those nuances. But you're right. You without know, the Clone Wars, the, none I think of it it's makes the sense. the first episode um, of the Clone Wars or the first one that I watched where uh, Yoda had a squad of clone troopers on uh, the Watto planet. I can't remember what it was. Um, but they were trying to set mm-hmm. up a trade a trade agreement. Tidarians, yeah. Tidaria. Uh, yeah, Tordaria. And... You know, they're, they're trying to establish who's going to get a base. Like, hey, we're bidding for a base. Who's got the better deal? Um, and mm-hmm. the way that Yoda treated those soldiers that were with him, the way he treated them with such care and kindness was completely different from the Yoda that we see on screen. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's, yeah. it is one of the major plot lines of the Clone Wars TV shows is this idea that one of the brilliant things that Palpatine did, it's the idea that war corrupts people and that to be a general, you have to lose part of your humanity in order to order the, the, the deaths of the people under your command. And that by putting the, the Jedi into that position of having to be generals, that that was a real part of what screwed them up so much. And that the TV show does a great job showing us that. But in the movies, it makes no sense. Um, and, and I will actually say this is a... Um, this conversation has helped me realize something new, which is that I have never quite understood the debates around the movie Last Jedi because to me it seems so obvious that everything that Jedi and uh, everything that Luke and Yoda talk about about how the Jedi were fallen and they have to be burnt, the Burks have to burn and start everything anew, that all makes perfect sense to me. But I'm realizing that if you haven't seen Clone Wars the TV show and and managed to put this kind of headcanon that that we put onto the movies. Of course, it doesn't make sense. Um, right, it kind of comes out of left yeah. field within just the context of the main film. Yeah, that's yeah, that's and I, I I have to say I will therefore give give the people who don't like Last Jedi a lot more credit than I have before. Um, not the sexist racist part. That's <laughs> obviously fandom. That's garbage. But um, mm. it's an interesting connection. 
Um, well, I guess now I have to watch the Clone Wars. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll give you a list. We'll give you like a list of the good episodes, but then I want us to watch uh, Rebels together because mm. Rebels is so good. Um, and also, I think really helps to fill in some of the gaps, even if it takes the idea at the beginning of New Hope that this is the first major victory over the Empire by the Resistance and totally throws it <laughs> out of the water. Um, but back to this. Um, so let, let's get into just kind of the main story plot. Um, what what do we think of the way that the fall of Anakin is told? <laughs> to put it bluntly, into words, it sucks. It's very disappointing. I mean, that, that was the most important moment of the prequel trilogy, yeah. right? I mean, that's like, in theory. Um, in theory, if the prequel trilogy is a trilogy about you know, how Anakin became Vader. Right. Then that's the turning point of, you know, that's the last plot point where it's like, boom, there, now we're, we got from point A to point. uh, Let me back up a second. I don't just mean the throne room scene. I mean the whole, the whole process of him falling through the course of the movie. Right. Okay. Yeah. So some of that, I I think the lead up to it is okay. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, it's, I mean, that's, that's like the second highest praise that I'll give everything in this movie. There's, there's one thing that I do like, right? So having seen, um, the Clone Wars season, season seven, and then going back and watching Revenge of the Sith, um, you know, Anakin is, he's, he's not like of a like mind with most of the Jedi, Mm -hmm. Right. He's got his own idea of, oh, we should do this this way. Why are we doing that that way? Um, And I think he's right about a lot of those things. You know, he's right that the Jedi are wrong about a lot of things. And so when Palpatine kind of gives him like an alternative, it makes sense that he's like, oh, maybe I'll go with this guy. I mean, the thing is, it's like he's he's portrayed as being very headstrong. Right. And very kind of rebellious. But at the same time, he's never really had to think for himself in his life. He's never really been free yeah. in his life, right? I mean, he was born a slave on uh, Tatooine, right? And then he, I don't even remember what, he like won his freedom through pod racing or something or uh, whatever. But like Qui-Gon and, and Obi-Wan come and get him. And that whole thing was torture. <laughs> and then like, and then they just leave his mom there and his mom like dies or gets killed or whatever. And that's like. You know, yeah, and and she hangs on just long enough to see his face and let him watch her die, right? And like that's obviously super tragic. Um, And then like he's in the Jedi Order, and the Jedi are like, "Do this, do this, do this. No, do it this way. No, do it that way. No, you can't be attached to anybody." And like he's just being told what to do his entire life. And you know, despite that, he's kind of finding, kind of carving out areas where it's like, okay, well, you know. I might have been born a slave, but I can still like make an interpreter droid in my, I don't totally understand how all that works, <laughs> but like, and then as a Jedi, he's like, well, he kind of carves out like space to have this relationship. And, and you know, when he's going on missions, he kind of does it the way he wants to do it, you know? And because he's like super powerful, it always works out more or less. Um, so it makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of setup for the idea that he, 
doesn't want to stay with the Jedi. And I think there's an extent to which he's right to not want to stay with the Jedi, the way Ahsoka doesn't want to stay with the Jedi, right? And and so that makes sense. And so that setup is... There's something there. Um, and, you know, if the relationship with Padme had more substance, then that would play a lot better, I think, right? Um, but we're basically just told that, like, they love each other and that's why they're beautiful or right. something. Um, but, <laughs> but then when we get to the scene where it's, you know, he clearly sees that Sidious is a Sith and, and like, I, if you make it work, it works, yeah. but it, it just, it just doesn't work. You shouldn't it, like, have to make it work. You shouldn't have to make it work. It, so there's, there's a thing about writing that, um, a quote by someone that I don't remember who it was and I'm sure I'll butcher it, but you know, the basic idea being like, you shouldn't write character actions. You shouldn't write your story just so that what happens, what a character does seems like something a character might do, but seems like almost like the only thing that character would do Yeah. where you feel like, yes, that's what this character would do. And here I feel like, yeah, that seems like, I guess what he might do, but at no point do I feel like, yes, this is exactly what he would do. Right. And, um, and then also it's like, you know, there's an element to like, okay, so he did that, but then he finds out, I don't know, never mind. Like later it's like, why does he have to stay a Sith? Like, why can't he just be like, you know what? Like, yeah. that was bad. You didn't save anyway, my mom. You didn't that's... save my wife. I, right. I, I think like, what did you do for me? I think here's where I am a lot more positive than you and maybe both of you because okay. I thought that the Probably. <laughs> the scenes between Palpatine and Anakin um not the throne room scene but the especially the opera right. scene but also some of the scenes yeah. in the hallway were very well done. Um and I I, I wrote actually that I like I feel like Palpatine is actually like he could work for Fox News, you know? I mean he's just right, so, right, because right. what he does is he doesn't just make stuff up. He takes a legitimate grievance that Anakin has. Like, the Jedi Council are being pretty horrible to Anakin. But also, yeah. they're, I mean, he's also being a petulant child. And with yeah. petulant children, like, if you take the small kernel of grievance that they actually have and just blow on it and give them all this reason to think, like, you know, all the stuff he says yeah. about how Anakin, they should be trusting you, and of course they don't see you, and that you're all this powerful one. Like, it. Uh, yeah. Palpatine plays him brilliantly. And I thought that those parts were very well done. And I feel like you can start to see why he's getting more and more resentful of them. Um, and, and it goes to, I think, the hubris point we talked about. Like, I mean, there's this moment where Obi-Wan says, Anakin, I don't trust you. I feel like you're getting too close to Palpatine. By the way, we're going to ask you to be the spy and spend a lot more time right. alone with him. Like, right, 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 right. It's like, what? I, <laughs> you know like but yeah but yeah i i just want to say that your point i think is well taken and actually now i remember as i was watching mm -hmm. it um i was feeling a lot more sort of receptive to like okay this i can kind of see where this is going like palpatine uses the truth to lie right right he he the the most effective lies are built on on kernels of yeah. truth so you know, he uses all these things that are true and then brings it to a false conclusion. Right. Right. And I think he does that really effectively up until 
that point where it's like the climactic point and then i'm just like yeah i still don't buy it yeah <laughs> but i think the part up to that i i do agree with you on that i think that's actually reasonably good and the best part of the movie like for sure yeah. besides and, maybe like a lightsaber battle yeah i think it's really funny that uh that Palpatine can just kind of be characterized as the anxiety in all of us mm, yeah like mm. He is just that, like, that growing kernel of, like, well, maybe they don't like me, but they don't like me because of this. And then, well, no, they're bad people. And then you just take it to the worst place. Yeah. And, you know, that paranoia sets in. And that's that's Palpatine in a nutshell. And, and, and I feel like what you just did is the best description of the path to the dark side that I've ever heard. Like, yeah. you know, and, and it's one we can all yeah. relate to, you know, because it is that. And I, I mean, I, I definitely dealt with anxiety and I've had those moments of, like... Yeah, you, we just start feeding on each other, and you know the way the Jedi treat Anakin. Of course, he's going to feel that way. Yeah, you got to let go of everything, but I don't want to. But you have to. Right. <laughs> but I don't want to. <laughs> but you have to. I no. Um, well, and also, but I care about these people. Yeah, right. Like I have connections to human people. Let's no. let's touch on let something because as Jeff and I have been discussing with other shows we talk about and movies, um. It's a little frustrating when someone drops a big plot point, but then never really does anything with it. So in terms of all the Jedi feelings on Anakin, what is the prophecy and why does it mean anything? And does it have any relevance to the plot? Oh my God. This is, a, is this like the first time that we heard about the prophecy? No, it, it gets mentioned in Phantom Menace. No, Obi- uh, 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 Qui-Gon says he's yeah. the boy. He is the, the, one, the chosen one. Surely you must see this. But... And then it never gets talked about again until here. Right. <sighs> it, it never gets talked about. And then, well, so A, there's the fact of like, what actually is the, do, I think there's a way to feel like that he brings balance. By the end yeah. of Return of the Jedi, he's wiped out the Sith, which yeah. is very much not bringing balance to the Force. <laughs> it's letting one <laughs> side win. But even yeah. if that's true... Don't the postquels then completely obliterate the prophecy entirely anyway? Um, I mean, that's a whole other discussion, yeah. true. Except, but... Yeah, except at the end, there's only one, like, known Force user who, like, isn't really exactly a Jedi and isn't exactly, isn't a Sith, and I don't know. Um, I mean, the thing is, it's like, how many Jedi were there, right? There were a lot. How many Sith were there? Like, maybe one or mm-hmm. two? Like, doesn't balance not sound like the best thing <laughs> if your side, like, vastly outnumbers the other side? Like, I don't know. Like, do you even math? Like, yeah. it's just... it. But, yeah, I mean, it seems like there's a there's an interpretation of the prophecy that's, like, bringing balance to the Force means eliminating the Sith, which seems like a really weird way to phrase something. Yeah. Um, we're not really given any, like, backstory on where the prophecy comes from, right? Mm-hmm. It, within the movies, no. anyway. Um, so it's just, I don't know, these kind of vague prophecies always seem like, um, kind of odd storytelling devices to me, yeah. but, um, yeah, I, I think the idea is that he eliminates the Sith at the end of Return of the Jedi, and that's what, like, balance is, but, like, then apparently he didn't, so, you know, right. we all have to live with the uh, Rise of the Dark, uh, Night, no, <laughs> Rise of the Dark Skywalker. Yeah, Skywalker Paul, do you have any idea how much hate mail we got because we kept saying the name of that movie wrong when we reviewed Rise of Skywalker? I have a, I, I can imagine. Um, but you know, hey, hate mail is better than yeah. no mail, right? 
Um, so any press is good press. That wasn't exactly. Um, uh, exactly. Our supreme leader Ash has now returned to us. So uh, genuflect for a moment. Um, but um, uh, that's Ashley Coffin who was hoping to be with us. She's in the chat now. Uh, she said about the whole thing about the the. Wow, I just watched myself genuflect on the video. That was really weird. Um, <laughs> but uh, she says uh, there's no give and take from either side. I think she means like in this idea of like the Jedi and the Sith both just being so locked into their ideologies. Um, but especially yeah. also with um, Anakin and the Jedi, you know, that they each have their ideas. They're each locked into place and there's, there's no listening. And so Palpatine's able to exploit that really well. Um, and I, I do think that's. It's interesting because this was the movie where it seemed very clear that Lucas was going pretty deep into very heavy handed political metaphors of that time. Um, you yeah. know, there's a point at which Anakin basically quotes President Bush, <laughs> President George W. Right. Bush. Um, and I think that kind of like one of the, the political narratives at that time was that the reason why Fox News was so successful was because the the liberal elite media, the liberal elites, you know, were too... Uh, condescending to people, which I think there was some truth to. Um, and so there's an interesting kind of way he's he's making that whole story of the Jedi think that they're the smart ones and they just want to tell everyone what to do and they condescend to people and so they listen to someone like Palpatine. And again, like, there's so much brilliance, uh, insight there that would be great to explore, but it's just so heavy-handed. Um, yeah, yeah. There, there requires a finer hand, uh, a little bit more finesse yeah. in dealing with that. Um, like, you know, we had said in, in, uh, the last movie, you want to buy some death sticks, oh, God. having, <laughs> having that guy be, you know, just like a quick force or a quick mind trick to be like, you don't want to sell me death sticks. And he goes away from Obi-Wan, but then have Anakin come in and be like, you want to go rethink the rest of your life. And then Obi-Wan be like, whoa, dude, no, what the fuck? Yeah. That's his life. You are trying to, what are you doing? You can't do that. Well, or actually I like, think it should be the opposite of. Obi-Wan says the first thing and Anakin's like, yep. And then he says, go rethink your life. And Anakin's like, um, sir, aren't we supposed to like support free choice? <laughs> um, see, it, either one of those would be awesome. Yeah. Because if Anakin stood up in that moment to say like, maybe the Jedi shouldn't do that. Like right. you're right. just because you're a Jedi, you think that you know better how to deal with his life than he does. Like, that's not right. Well, and that's, I mean, the Sith ideology do... is this extreme freedom thing, you know, that no one should ever get to tell me what to do. Um, right. Sith do not wear masks. Um, I think that's very, very clear. But they do. But the they... dark side has but, all the cool masks. You know they what I mean? They do, though. <laughs> <laughs> the Sith don't wear masks, but they hide their face. Mm. <laughs> uh, Tiger Eyes says, you know, it really sucked to live somewhere with two opposing sides that refused to budge. Um, yeah, no idea know. what that's like. Um, there's a whole political co- tiger eyes. You and I will have a political conversation about that on another podcast because I disagree with that assessment of our current situation. But I understand where it's coming from. Um, yeah. Do we need to say anything about the um, actual throne room scene? The actual throne room scene. The the the, the final battle scene. I, I guess I'll just ask this. Um, Mace has been talking about arresting Palpatine the whole time. All of a sudden, yeah. he wants to kill Palpatine, which is, like, if he doesn't offer to kill Palpatine, Anakin's fine and doesn't turn. Why in the... Is this... It, is Palpatine, like, mind... Like, force-magicking Mace somehow? Like... Mace? Mace's turn makes no sense, and yet it's the only thing that um, 
makes that makes Anakin's fall complete. I I saw at least a little bit of struggle with Mace Windu on on screen. I saw him wrestle a little bit with the the idea of killing Palpatine. Like he subdued Palpatine and then was like mm, you're a little bit too dangerous to just let live. I think I'm going to have to kill you. And then Anakin right. shows up and he's like, Oh crap. Uh, uh, I wasn't about, no, uh, yeah, no, you have to help. You have to help. You're in this too. You're an accomplice. And, and then it goes sideways for him. And it, I don't know. It feels like, you know, where there needed to be, where there needs to be a little bit clearer of a message Lucas wasn't heavy handed enough. And then, yeah. <laughs> and where there needed to be more nuance, he wasn't nuanced at all. It's like, <laughs> I think it. it's true. Yeah. Oh. Much like, uh, yeah. when I, what I was saying about, I think I said it about episode one and two. Um, there's a tendency to, uh, say a line in a scene and then immediately wipe the screen and go to somewhere else. And then say a line and then wipe and go somewhere else. But then while yeah. we're there, they say a line and then it just hangs there. Mm-hmm. And then the screen wipes and goes somewhere else. It's like, okay, God, ugh. either let the scene breathe and have some conversation or don't even include it. Like just, ah, damn it. <laughs> it's, it's basically like go back to film school, please. Or hand this off to somebody else. Who's not, so far up their own ass that hell uh, mm. uh, hydrate. Yeah. Hell hydrate. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it does involve also one more contender in the worst line in all of star Wars. Um, we've talked about how Palpatine is this like brilliant manipulator and his dialogue is so good. And then he just screams unlimited power. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, I forgot that one. Ugh. It, it is so it so bad, um, but then I feel like he then goes back into very good propaganda mode because he then gives this whole yeah, speech yeah, yeah. about like the Jedi have declared themselves the enemy of the Republic; they must be wiped out, and and he uses fear so well because what he says to Anakin is they're going to come for us. We have to be afraid. We have to right. strike first. It's again yeah. utterly brilliant. Um, and here again, it's one of those places where I just wish there was the one more step because in the books and a little bit in the original movies, they established that like the emperor uses some kind of mind control over Vader and though thus presumably over, I mean, this is Vader over Anakin from the beginning because Anakin makes this huge leap in logic of. At first, he's completely on board with killing, with arresting Palpatine. He just wants Palpatine to teach right. him, like from jail or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> he doesn't save Palpatine because all of a sudden he belo- he he thinks the Jedi were wrong to arrest him. But yeah. then all of a sudden, like Palpatine is like the Jedi are the enemy, and Anakin's like, "Yes, sir. Okay, sir." We needed something to explain why Pal- why why Anakin all of a sudden buys into that propaganda when he didn't ten seconds ago. I guess it's yeah, mind so control. I or some kind of like Sith bond. Th- this is this idea of like turning to the dark side being this like moment where you do one thing that's like so irredeemable that then you're just 
all of a sudden just like completely different and i think it's yeah. bullshit um <laughs> i you know i mean and then obviously like i guess then at the end like vader does of jedi vader does something <laughs> so the opposite of that i guess that then now he's just like fine um and it just yeah i mean like okay is it mind control is it like that's never brought up i mean you know, he, he says in, in Return of the Jedi, like, you don't understand the power of the dark side. I must obey my master. And it's like, <laughs> but okay, why? Yeah. Like, like that, you know, it's like if it's so the idea is that Sith are all about freedom, but like you must obey your master. So it's like what one person gets freedom. Right. right? And nobody else does, like, including the, you know, apprentice and. Um, which seems very unhealthy. Uh, but <laughs> and, and like in the books, what they establish is that you are supposed to obey your master, but you're supposed to be basically like constantly chomping at the bit, you know? And that the whole right, concept right. is eventually you will have enough power to break free. Um, yeah. Which we see in Empire Strikes yeah, Back. Yeah, we definitely see him pushing right. back against I mean... it. Um, Ashley um, uh, writes in, uh, probably just as good an explanation of anywhere, that it's gaslighting. Yeah. Um, and I think it's so, true. I think what the Emperor does of like... Yeah completely taking everything Anakin's afraid of and twisting it so much. Um, yeah. Especially when he, he then makes Anakin blame himself for the death of Padme. Um, right. Which right. leads to another awful, awful line of no! you know, Vader. <laughs> but I got to say though, I gotta <sighs> say that it's really funny. Um, the, the little trip, the little uh, train of thought I just went down because you, Paul, you were saying that like it they 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 put it as like one moment for becoming a Sith, and it would have been funny if Anakin was like, you know, what does it what does it really mean to be a Sith? And then like Colossus from Deadpool showed up in my head like four or five moments. <laughs> and so, <laughs> like, you do not wake up, Sith. You do not eat breakfast, Sith. Put on shoes, Sith. <laughs> What are five moments in your life? <laughs> oh my god, that that's what we need. Someone needs to do the reshoot of Deadpool and Colossus jumping into this movie at various yep. points. What you mean? Only speaks in absolutes. That is absolute. Obi Wan, you make no sense. <laughs> oh man, I'm in for it. I'm in for it. Um. Order 66. Let's talk about how that's that's executed. Haha, see what I did there. Hey, um, oh. And uh, um, Tiger Eyes you asked a question me. about it that I want to go back did to. Did anybody know um, about it? Was anyone aware of it before this movie? Yeah. Was it in books? I feel like it was in books, right? No? I feel like it... Somebody must tell us. I feel like it may have gotten... Because I know... The book I know about it most from is Republic Commandos, which does come later. Um... Chat, if you, I, I certainly had never heard about it. I knew that there was some, like, the only thing that I knew from the book canon that I knew was supposed to be in this movie is that, um, basically Obi-Wan, like, defeats Vader by throwing him into a volcano or throwing him into lava. And that that's how Vader gets, uh, Anakin gets destroyed and needs to become Vader, which I guess they sort of did on Mustafar. Um, but yeah, I didn't know any of the details of Order 66 going in. Did either of you? Nope. Yeah. He said, execute order 66. And then it just started happening. I was like, what? What? Oh, whoa. No, but these guys are so yeah. strong. How are. Because, uh, like, we were shown throughout 
these first two movies, like, cause you, uh, God, you remember when we were talking about Phantom Menace, like this is our first look into what the Jedi were and, and at their, you know, at yeah. their pinnacle or you know, yeah. pinnacle in quotes. So like these guys are able to, you know, see the immediate future, know where a, where a blaster bolt is going to go and deflect it. So to have like a few troops around these Jedi be able to be like, now they're done. That didn't make any sense. Like, where's that power that we saw? Where's that power that was, that was there, that was present? Like, not just, like, rumored, but we saw it on screen several times in this movie. Yeah, it's like we see it with, like, Obi-Wan and um, yeah. and Yoda, basically, right? Because they're, like, characters <laughs> with names, and so they have to escape. Oh, but... man, you mean Kit Fisto no one cares about? <laughs> Poor Alyssa Kara got shot in the back. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, they just... And then they're just like, yeah, we're just going to kill all these clones. <laughs> and there's, like, none of the, you know anything from you know in the, the clone war series like the you know the episode you were referencing um but it, it yeah it's just it's like i feel like the jedi just like go down like pucks like it just feel it's just kind of like really like you know and i guess it's like a, a moving kind of emotional like big heavy scene but um i felt like they they lost me in the you know the the mace and yeah. anakin and um emperor scene and like never never got me back like i just oh, yeah. nah. when, when palpatine just completely punks three other jedi yeah, monsters and says yeah like and five says seconds. unlimited power and just like i was like because the second time i watched it i was like really hoping to like have a different experience with the movie right like i want to enjoy it yeah. And I was enjoying it. And I was kind of like, okay, well, okay, this whole love story thing. Yeah, no, you, no, you. Um, you know, I, not not so good. And, like, some of the battles. Right, exactly. No, you're pretty. Um, <laughs> but, like, then there, I was just like, uh, no, it's, it's, it's bad. It's like, it just, it just, it lost me. And it's sort of like, I feel like my enthusiasm and, and um, sort of engagement was kind of, like, dissipated a little bit. Um, although yeah. there is a major thing later on that, um, did carry a lot of weight, I think sort of a realization, um, we could get to that later. Yeah. Uh, the first time I watched it, I mm-hmm. cried. Like I, I did feel the emotional weight of it. I think the emotional weight of it was enough for me to ignore just how dumb right. the whole thing was. Um, yeah. Cause I, I mean, the way I've always envisioned this is more like, um, X-Men days of future past, you yeah. know, where it's like. The X-Men are slowly being right. hunted down. And yes, any X-Men can defeat, you know, 20 right. people. But when you have to fight for your life day yeah. in, day out, everyone eventually is going to make a mistake. Right. It's and that's more how attrition you die, than you know? a sudden strike. Right. And again, the Clone Wars TV show at least explains it. It does a better job of explaining why the, clo- why right. the Jedi go <laughs> down and also yeah. why the clones turn, um, which is a lot better. But... Yeah, to, to me it had emotional weight, but then now every time I watch it, I'm like, this doesn't, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, no. Um, Ashley points out that at this point it turns into a cartoon, which I think is ironic because so the cartoon better. is actually much better. <laughs> I mean, that's where there's where the cartoon turns into a movie. Like the cartoon is extremely yeah, exactly. cinematic, you know. Um, uh, so, Paul, what was the the thing you said that had some yeah, emotional so, weight for you? You know, there's this whole setup about. Anakin just wants Padme to be okay. You know, he wants to have a family. He wants a future. He wants, he has attachments and he wants to live with those attachments. 
And because of the way things go and how he's manipulated by Palpatine, he ends up basically sacrificing everything else. He ends up murdering children and also that he can have so he can save Padme's life, basically, and then have the life he wants, right? Even though, like, he's got to know right. on some level it's not really going to be the life he wants at this point, right? But then when, you know, then he fights Obi-Wan and, you know, um, gets gets owned pretty hard. And, you know, he's there about to catch on fire from the lava. And, you know, and the Emperor comes and... Um, and he's like, oh, yeah, hey, let's um, let's uh, rebuild you. Okay, you're good as new. Oh, but what happened to Padme? Yeah, about that. Like, and, and like that moment is horrible because it should carry so much emotional weight. And instead it's like, no, I'm Frankenstein Vader. Like, it's, it's like, it's rough. It's just, it's not. But mm-hmm. like, if you think about the sequence of events and you think of the fact that like Vader was... I mean, that, you know, that Anakin was born into slavery and then he became a Jedi. And then, you know, I'd say he's not treated very well by the Jedi. I think they're a corrupt organization that's just telling him what to do all the time, telling him they shouldn't, you know, care about people, basically. Although he should care about people, but like without caring about them. So Um, basically he got brought from one form of slavery into another. Right. And then he becomes a Sith. And loses everything that he was attached to, and now he's going to live the rest of his existence, like, in this suit, in physical pain, but also just in, like, emotional, um, just, like, devastation, Mm -hmm. really. And, um, you know, the level of tragedy to his story, um, you know, I mean, I guess, like, he gets a happy ending where he gets to see his son and then die, but, like, (laughs) you know, it, it... (laughs) I feel like that sequence of events, like if you look at Anakin's story and then Vader's story, um, and especially like the last scene in um, in the Clone Wars series, which, you know, I had in my mind because I watched that just before Revenge of the Sith. I feel like that added some weight to, even though the Definitely. delivery of it in Revenge of the Sith is awful, um, the sequence of events, it's still, you still think about like, what his life yeah. like you see the whole trajectory of his life and it's like that's horrible like you know he's one of the most powerful and, people in the entire galaxy and yet his whole life is horrible yeah and, and i will say that's one area where both clone wars and also rebels helps a lot because rebels does a very it does introduce vader but while he's still kind of like still finding himself as vader and there's a lot of that like you see a lot of how he evolves into the Vader who we get uh, by the New Hope movie. Um, and I, I think that's a good point you make. I, I did think that moment was well done, especially there's one shot that um, it's when the mask is being lowered onto his face. Um, and like the music just slowly shifts into the dark side theme and then becomes like just it locks into place and then you start to hear yeah, Vader yeah. Oh, breathing. Oh, yeah, that's great. And especially because Anakin looks terrified. Yeah. As the mask is coming down. And I thought that was like a really yeah. brilliant moment of showing like, yeah, that the locked into this life. Um, what let's use that, though, to talk about um, the lightsaber fight, what the lightsaber fight and the whole like Obi-Wan uh, Anakin confrontation. Uh, what, what are our thoughts on how that plays uh, out? Aside from the gratuitous amount of random kicking and uh, the <laughs> kind of uh, I mean, 
there are some points where they use the environment well, and some points where they use the environment in a really goofy way. But overall, I think it's mm-hmm. a it's a great. Um, uh, here I go again. It could be a great. No, it was a great <laughs> representation of like where Obi Wan was in his uh, in his uh, transition to Seresu and Anakin's uh-huh. descent into um, into Form Seven and using just his rage and anger to go uh, full Juyo. Do you want a, a given Paul's expression and probably a matter of fans okay. to explain what Juyo is? Yeah, I was going to say I don't I don't know what several of those words mean. So <laughs> so there are there are seven <laughs> forms of lightsaber combat according to you know, the internet and canon or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, originally uh, under Qui Gon. Obi-Wan was learning Ataru, which is what Yoda Yoda knows and is best at and displays. It's using uh, using the Force to augment your physical ability and do acrobatic things and uh, basically bombard your opponent with flashiness and, and outmaneuver them. Um, and after watching Qui-Gon die to, uh, to Darth Maul... Obi-Wan was like, that's obviously not a good thing because that sort of shit happens. Let me, I'm going to focus on a more defensive fighting style, which is Seresu. And it's, it's all about economy of motion and not using very much movement to block an incoming strike and letting your opponent wear themselves out to where you can just be like, bah, you're done. And the whole time, yeah, Obi-Wan basically ropadopes him the entire fight. And Anakin's so just hell-bent on rage that he turns to this Form 7, which is supposed to be all about attack. There is no defense. You're all fury and and emotion and just, like, the only... I think the only other uh, Jedi who used it ever is supposedly Mace Windu. And... That's only because mm. he was super skillful and was able to, you know, balance himself and come back from from the the hatred, I guess, the, or the the rage that put you know puts you into that. But Anakin is right. just all fury, all attack the whole time, and Obi Wan is just backing up the entire time and backing up around, like he's jumping onto other structures. He's you know hit. Yeah. He's deflecting. Everything he's doing is he's on retreat, but the whole time he knows exactly what he's doing and it is so great if you can look at it through that lens but they don't explain any of that and if there had been in maybe a previous movie when anakin was getting indoctrinated into the jedi a discussion on lightsaber form and why it's dangerous to use ataru because i saw my old master qui-gon die from it like you know could have been anything could have been anything and it might have been okay yeah, like a Princess Bride. Yeah, like Qui Gon and Obi Wan. Yeah, yeah. Where they're, you know, oh, you know, <laughs> yeah. opponent has studied his Agrippa. Uh, so. Yeah, or like <laughs> more, even just scenes with the, like with the younglings and Yoda yeah, teaching yeah. them lightsaber yeah. combat fighting could have yeah. been. Or what if like Anakin had sat in on Obi Wan and Qui Gon debating? Yes, mm-hmm. you know, like three minutes of that. Um. I, yeah, it's again frustrating because I feel like the actual lightsaber battle between Anakin and Obi-Wan is very well done. I love the fact that Anakin doesn't have a red lightsaber yet because it really helps to emphasize that like these are former brothers 
and a lot of the things that Obi-Wan says during the fight or immediately before the fight really have some yeah. resonance for me, even without the yeah. absolute bullshit, but about like, you know, yeah. you're my brother. Um, he says, you're the chosen one. You're supposed to, you know, end the Sith, yeah. not lead, like, which again, right. doesn't fit, but it, it, it's powerful. And you and you and McGregor's yeah. is a good actor. It, it's well done. It is also after new hope. The only other star Wars movie, I think in which we have a lightsaber battle where we're not constantly jumping back to a starfighter battle mm. or a battle on a planet. Um, we are back constantly jumping back to, I think, <laughs> the worst lightsaber battle in these three of, you know, uh, pinball Yoda against Palpatine. Um, but I did love that about it. Um, the ending, though, like, I, I did, like, a YouTube review of some yeah. other fights. And there are so many moments where one character is in a higher position right, than right. the other. He has what you might call yeah. the high ground. And it doesn't matter. The fight goes on. It's right. not a huge advantage. And so, like, just throwing that in. And when you can jump, uh, like, 30 feet in the air, it's, like, the high ground, not that big a deal. Like, yeah, it, like, a 10-foot right, high ground is, like, who cares? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then he turns around and just... Well, so... But that was that was for the plot. That was important. Yeah. Because then it, it like gave yeah. away for Obi Wan to win the duel without like. I mean, I I really I really appreciate your explanation of that, Jeff. Um, because I feel like I can think through all the other lightsaber battles, particularly in the in the original trilogy, because I watched those movies repeatedly, as opposed to the, the you know the prequel trilogy. But like I can I can picture like yeah the way Obi Wan's fighting in. Um, you know, even the way he's fighting in A New Hope and the way that, like, you know, Luke is, is uh, you know, parrying, you know, the way he's teaching Luke to fight. And then compared to, like, how Luke fights um, in uh, in Empire is, is a little different. It seems a little more that kind of jumping around and everything, yeah. right? And um, you really could have... I mean, I feel like this is missing from the entire prequel trilogy, but it's definitely missing from Revenge of the Sith. Like, like training scenes yeah like that's such a big part of yeah you know the certainly the um you know a new hope and then especially empire strikes back right this idea of training of like how do you actually learn what yeah. what you how know, do you the become skills that a you jedi have, right 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 exactly and there's um like is that does that does that happen in the previous two movies it does it happen in revenge of the sith and i just missed it or it's just like no, it's like, oh yeah, now you're Jedi, and like, and I guess I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even the shows we see Anakin training his his right, Padawan, yeah, which is, uh, which is great, but yet, but no, yeah, nothing of him yeah. actually being trained. Um, here's my final moment though about the fight. Obi Wan cuts off three yeah. of the guy's limbs, sees that the lava is creeping up to yeah. set him on fire. Yeah, walks yeah, away. no, that's yeah, no. Because as I see it, he's doing one of two things. One, he's what obviously is true, leaving the possibility that um, Anakin is going to be alive. Like maybe he just can't bring himself to kill Anakin. Well, okay, now you're responsible for everything <laughs> Vader does for the rest of his life. Not that you weren't already. But let's be charitable. Let's think that Obi-Wan is convinced that Anakin is going to die. Is there anything more inhumane than to let him die this horrible suffering death of like... You've been a triple amputee, and now lava is going to creep up and set you on fire. At least like, turn him around. How does Obi Wan not <laughs> kill him? him like, spin him around just one good time, so he goes <laughs> head first, and then you know, 
Because <laughs> <laughs> otherwise, it's just like it's it's the whole like being split with a laser from the from the dick up. Like no, no, James Bond doesn't want that to happen. <laughs> That okay? That's I, I'm glad you threw in the James Bond part because I had no I idea what you were talking about. Like, I don't see how this works. <laughs> it's usually a one shot, and that's it. Yeah. There's no sustained yeah, fire. Yeah. Right. Um. Uh, Ashley points out that she quite likes the the flashy lights. Uh, and the, the yeah, Obi Wan's delivery like, was quite good. Of those I like lines. the flashy lights um, as well, but I think that there could have been so much more character depth in those flashy lights if they had established it right beforehand. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, you can you can tell a lot uh, of story through combat if you set it up right. Mm-hmm. I'm also going to ask you a question, and I'm going to ask this of the chat as well, if any of you have experience. I have never worked at a job that takes place in dangerous conditions, um, you know, like in a mine or in a volcano, say, or anything like that. But I'm wondering if any of you have worked in a situation like that. Was there a moment where you walked into the control room and noticed that somewhere in the control room, there was just a button just hanging out that if someone accidentally like leaned on the button or fell onto it, the entire thing would fall into lava? Usually that sort of thing is not set up so poorly. You usually want a case. I don't think I did. And like a lot on the case. Right. Yeah. 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 Maybe a lot. (laughs) Yeah, it it like it sets up an interesting drama until you realize it makes no have sense. Have you seen Space Force? Oh my god, I have not. Okay, so there, I want to. <laughs> there was a sequence where they were like, you know, we had to get this this special button that has this locking case over over it, and like, do you remember why we had to get that? And then it was a flashback of him, like, with a cup of coffee, leaning back and putting his feet up, and then accidentally triggering the button, and the rocket goes off on monitor, and he's like, oh, shit! (laughs) So good! That's brilliant. Okay, well, any of our listeners, the the chat seems to have no idea, but any of our listeners, if you've worked in a situation like that, please write in, let us know. Um, Because certainly I think OSHA... (laughs) There are many parts of the Star Wars world that really needs OSHA, um, but this one especially, I think. Workplace Hell, man, safety. The Jedi is could have bad. done with yeah, like a PR guy. That would have helped. Yeah, right. I mean, a lot of their problems could have been solved with PR. <laughs> uh, Tiger Eyes says that when he worked for Doctor No, there was that similar level of, oh. of built. So that I mean, yeah. we, we've built a. I think we've actually now established that James Bond and Star Wars exist in the same universe. Clearly. That's fair. Star Wars is just a long time ago. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> um, all right. Um, <clears throat> shall we move towards wrapping up by, by dealing with some of the questions people have asked? Uh, actually, there's one, there's one person who's asked a couple of questions. Uh, unless do we have any other kind of big plot points folks wanted to comment on? Not plot I'm, I'm points. No. <laughs> uh, I, I will just say, um, when watching old movies with my mother... My mother is quite a feminist, and she liked watching old movies with me, but pointing out how dumb they were. And she said that there was this thing that she hated in movies from, like, the 30s, 40s, and 50s, maybe 60s a bit, where the women character would die of what she called movie star disease, which is some terrible thing has happened to you, and you become so sad that you wind up just drifting away while remaining (laughs) beautiful the whole time. 
Um, <laughs> I think the only movie that I've seen that happen in, in the last 30 years or so is Padme. And she's just given up the will to live. You know, as someone who spent some time having given up the will to live and has worked in suicide hotlines and things like that and talked to many people, the body doesn't have that ability. <laughs> it's just not a thing that happens. This podcast wouldn't be happening if no. the body had that ability. Yeah. <laughs> we have a couple of pandas, I think, who might have had some of these problems. Um, but yeah, it, it, uh, it's just... It's so sexist to her character, and it just yeah. makes no sense. And the idea that she's like still able to name these characters, name Luke and Leia, which we have no context for why she chooses right. those names. Like, uh, yeah. <clears throat> um, Ashley said in chat, "What made the movie more of a joke? No, or dying of nothing." <laughs> I'm going to go with, I mean, the first one is like, it's just like, so obviously bad. Right. But like the second mm-hmm. one's like insidiously bad, <laughs> you know? Right. It's like, you can miss it. Yeah. The first one, if, like, that's not <clears throat> the sort of thing. you. The first one is kind of a, an inside joke for everybody who has watched media. And the second one is like a real disservice to a character. <laughs> yeah. And like a systemic problem, well, especially because I feel like, the first one is a bad execution of an right. important plot point. Like the idea that, that Vader would feel this huge sense of loss and grief and like, what have I done in that moment makes sense. It's just badly executed. Yes. But the idea that Pat, I mean, here again, I wonder if it's because of the kid movie part of it, because like Vader abuses her, chokes her almost to death. There's no reason to not just say, that the like the injuries right. he gave her are not savable and she dies and the children are born but like the combination of the terrible injuries she went through not to mention oh. childbirth which is very what dangerous is like that would make sense was she already for... supposed to be sick or that was like the thi- like she was supposed to maybe or that was his vision or right. no he was having visions well, like, of her dying in childbirth like people die yeah, in childbirth like... it's a thing they don't die of like sadness sadness <laughs> It's like yeah. spontaneous. What? She died of a broken heart. It's all your fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Ashley also says, the music is definitely my emotional armor because they keep distracting me from what happened with the catchy tunes. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, I can... We don't have any Duel of the Fates, but there's some other good, uh, some Man, good music Duel for sure. Duel of the Fates was like... Um, that's some John Williams gold right there. It really is. It really is. So uh, James Hewings wrote a couple of good questions. Uh, we'll go through them one, or, one at a time. The first he asks is, how big a negative or positive impact do you think the Clone Wars had on the storytelling in Episode 3? And I, I think we discussed this pretty pretty clearly. I think Paul and I, overall, I think that it, the Clone Wars makes this movie better and makes this movie yeah, make yeah, more that's... sense. Do you think, is there any negative you yeah, feel of it? Yeah, it makes it more frustrating that this movie's terrible. <laughs> like, I mean, like, just give me an animated re- <laughs> like. Reboot. Just reboot the prequel trilogies. Just make them animated by Dave Filoni and Co. And like, yep, let's go. Filoni yeah. and like, Co. You know, go. or even you just um, <clears throat> do you know offhand the name of the actor who voice plays Anakin? No, and I don't know if I've ever heard his voice, but <laughs> oh, that's fair. Okay, <laughs> I, I 
No, you want the first time you watched the Clone Wars, you watched it no. in English, didn't you? I I only okay. I, the part with Darth Bane or whatever where Mark Hamill's there, I turned that to English so that I could hear Mark okay. Hamill. Okay. <laughs> but, but besides That's that, I, I listened to all uh, series in Spanish and German. Uh, well, cause the reason I was asking is because Matt Latner yeah. uh, is the name of the person who plays him yeah. in the Clone Wars, yeah. uh, Anakin. If you just redid the whole movie, if you just dubbed his voice over Hayden Christensen's, I think it would be so much it, better. It wouldn't be that much um, better. I, I want to believe yeah. that, but it's just, it's like, it's not, Hayden Christensen is not the problem with this movie. Like, I mean, I, I, when I saw the, the first, what, the second movie, Attack of the Clones, or yeah. whatever, um, I was like, well, the scene with him and Natalie Portman, I'm like, wow. I'm like, I know that's not her fault, right? Like, and, you know, I was like, he might not be a terrible actor. It could just be that this dialogue is that bad because the dialogue is that bad. But, like, then I saw, what, <laughs> Jumper or Looper? Or, not Looper. Jumper. I think it was Jumper. It was Jumper. Jumper. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no, he's that bad. Like, I mean, you yeah. know, no offense. Maybe a little. But, like, it just, maybe that movie was also just that bad. I don't know. Because <laughs> that, that also, yeah. I think, wasted Samuel L. Jackson. But uh, Haley Hobbs has corrected me. It's Matt Lanter. My apologies, oh. I was squinting to read a screen. Um, uh, and then um, Tiger Eyes, uh, yeah, we'll talk about some good stuff like <laughs> Umbrella Academy, though you may not like what we have to say about Umbrella <laughs> Academy. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, Ash is agreeing with us about the acting. Um, the next question was, um, what's your favorite scene in the film? From James again. Uh, James does like the movie quite a bit. Um, I think for me it's the opera scene. I think it's that scene between uh, Palpatine and, I mean, the... I keep calling it the opera, really. It's yeah. just like bubble no, yeah, performance yeah, yeah. art. They, they go to um, some high culture event or something. Yeah, it's Cirque yeah. de Star Wars. Cirque de Star Wars. <laughs> like, like it's Cirque yeah. de Coruscant. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's my favorite scene. What about for you all? Mm. The, don't there have to be good scenes for you to have a favorite? I mean, I, I think <laughs> no. that scene is like good. <clears throat> ish like there's there's good things about that scene um also but uh you know i mean i don't know maybe just the lightsaber battle between obi-wan and because yeah. it actually has some like well delivered you know um yeah. lines by ewan mcgregor and it doesn't have maybe like too much like expository garbage you know um <laughs> And it's cool looking, you know, I mean, uh, that's, that's the thing. Like the prequel trilogy, I really, really was disappointed by, but, um, you know, the lightsabers always look, they just always look cool. Right. And like, you know, and that, that scene, that one actually carries a lot of emotional weight. Um, sort of like the, the one that's going on at a similar time, I guess, in, um, uh, the Clone Wars series. Um, and I think when you combine, but also like the one at the end of Return of the Jedi, really, you know? Um, I think yeah. has a, a lot of emotional weight. And so, you know, I think when you can combine like looks pretty with like emotional weight, um, you know, I, I, I wish that I had the perspective that, you know, that Jeff, you were talking about, about like the different um, strategies or, or styles basically. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if that's in there anyway, like you can see it, like that's cool. Even, even if you kind of have the headcan in it, um, you know, and I think at the end, like the, the, you know, you're right, Matthew, that the, the scene with the, you know, Vader becoming Vader, if he just didn't stand up and shout no, like, he could have even stood up and just been like, ah, or whatever. I mean, not like standing like this, like, 
whatever. But like, <laughs> yeah, he could have let out some audible <laughs> thing and like, I don't know, force choked someone standing around him or something. Right. There could have been some expression you know, of rage that wasn't like, no, that's not true. That's impossible. Oh, wait. No, that's the wrong movie. <laughs> you know what it should have been? Again, it's yeah. PG-13. What if that was like, you know, <laughs> you killed you Padme, Darth Vader. <laughs> Motherfucker. No, 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 no. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> should just make a dub. Um, it's just that. That's the only change. Yep. <laughs> I like uh, Tiger Eyes says the best scene is the end of the credits, which is probably yeah. true. Um, Haley Hobb also points out, and Jeff, here's one more reason for you to like have some loyalty to the Clone Wars. Uh, Matt Lanter, the voice of um, Anakin in the Clone Wars, played a part in The Mandalorian. Uh, a very important part. He was the Republic prison guard in the prisoner episode. The one who um, died? <clears throat> and had I think little... so. I don't know if he has a line of dialogue, but you know he's there, so um, there's a connection. Huh. Um, for sure huh. um, so next question <clears throat> um, I've been jumping in with the answers here so I'll let you guys answer this question uh, the next question is hello there hello oh no no I think it's hello there hello there oh yeah there we go there we go um, <laughs> and then we're asked do you know the story of Darth Plagueis the Wise um, which I will say by the way there's a very good book called Darth Plagueis in which um it's made clear that uh, Palpatine was the apprentice to Darth Plagueis. And this idea, uh, I mean, it sort of implies that um, uh, 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 Anakin's mother was force raped by Palpatine and and Plagueis and that like kind of like forcibly impregnated, which is (laughs) it both makes the virgin birth thing make more sense, but is also horrifying and sexual assault and really bad. Forcibly impregnated. yeah, those aren't words I really want to say it very loud. But but it is, a, other than that horror, uh, a very good book that, that better explains the uh, Darth Plagueis-Darth uh, Sidious relationship. Um, <laughs> He's Darth Sidious now. Oh. oh, dear. And then our final question is, is Anakin versus Obi-Wan the best lightsaber fight in live action? Uh, like choreography? Choreography, I would say no. But... In terms of uh, emotional resonance in in it, and every strike having uh, every strike being a line delivered to the to the player opposite you, yes, yeah, yeah. I, I think my favorite lightsaber battle live action is probably still Duel of the Fates. Yeah, um, <clears throat> just because with a Ray possible Park is so um, good. Well, he's also kind of a horrible, horrible person. But yes, have you not heard this? No. Oh, there was something that came out. Disney had just announced they were going to do some partnership with him and then backed away very fast. Um, he Apparently his wife was cheating on him, so he posted revenge porn of her. Oh, wow. Along with some like really horrible stuff. Yeah, so <clears throat> Ray Park, great fight choreographer, not great human being. That's fair. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I think in terms – first of all, I, I'm really glad, James, that you said best live action because I do think maybe the, the, one of the lightsaber battles in the last scene of – in the last season of Clone Wars, may actually be the best lightsaber yeah. battle. Um, I think Duel of the Fates is the most like visually interesting fight choreography, but I think just in terms of like emotional weight, Return yeah. of the Jedi yeah, lightsabers is my favorite. But also, like I saw that movie when I was five, and you know, it, it like I don't <laughs> know. It, but yeah, I, I feel like they develop the 
Um, I don't know. I feel like they just develop Luke more than they develop Anakin. You know, like the original trilogy. It just, it's, it's just better. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I haven't, I, I haven't watched it for a long time. So maybe I wouldn't appreciate them the same way as I have before. But, um, but yeah, that, I mean, I watched that scene so many times and like, I've never felt the need to go back and watch the, you know, either the Duel of Fates or the, you know, the uh, Battle on Mustafar, like, that many times. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the like, obviously, the movie-making technology, you know, improved over time, right? Um, I, I, I think the, the battle between Obi-Wan and Anakin has maybe the best blend of emotional weight and choreography and everything. Um, I can see that, yeah. Because there's not much emotional weight to do over the No, fates. there's not. It's like, like, I mean, it's sad that Obi-Wan, that um, Qui-Gon gets killed, right? But like, you know. Yeah. We don't, <laughs> we're no not emotion. that attached there's to no him hi- yet. Like, I don't know. I'm not. Yeah, there's no history exactly. between the characters. Exactly. Yeah. We, we, like, we care about it because they tell us to, you know, but it's like we haven't really seen, um, you know. And and actually, I think yeah. the, the battle in, in Jedi carries so much weight, not just because of Luke, but because of Leia and because of we've seen Leia's arc through three movies and, you know, sort of their relationship develop. And, you know, it's like, it's like Luke's not just fighting for Luke. Like he's fighting for Leia and like all his friends. And it's, it's just, it just feels different. Um, Right. I think it's all very true. Um, All right. Any other kind of last comments or thoughts or, Overall feelings you want to share about the movie? Um, there, you wrote like three pages of notes. And I got them like <laughs> five minutes before uh, we started uh, the podcast. So there's like tons of stuff here that I'm like, yep, yep, yep. Like, why do we never learn about Bail Organa? Like, he seems like an interesting character. Seems like super important yeah. in terms of like, how's Leia going to turn out? Like, it's like Leia Organa, right? Princess Organa. Like, so if she's yeah. a princess, then like... Is he like like how? I don't know. But like, why don't we ever learn about it, right? Like, no, we, we've already established that royalty is elected, right? Like on Which, Naboo. she like, must whatever. Like, um, you know, and then it's like there's the Death Star thing. Like, how is it taking twenty years to build the Death Star? Like, why do they need? Oh the my Death god! Star? Like, yes. Why were they already building the Death Star when they? You know, it, it's. I guess to sum up, like I feel like. Revenge of the Sith is a movie that has this, it's, it was like very constructed with a combination of like, well, we have to hit these notes so that we get, you know, from point A to point V. Um, And then like, we need to like do a little bit of fan service here and there. Um, You know, and you get some good, some good uh, lightsaber battles out of it and you get some, um, you know, some good, like, kind of political manipulation. But overall, it just feels very mechanical and, you know, mm-hmm. and disappointing on second watch, but, like, a little, like, more disappointing, but also a little more satisfying after watching Clone Wars uh, Season 7, especially. So I recommend yeah. watch Clone Wars, especially Season <laughs> 7. And then if you want to watch Revenge <laughs> of the Sith, uh, watch it in Spanish. Does Regardless I of how much still come across... Off. The same way. <laughs> it's just a little different. Yeah. Yeah. What, what's the Spanish for I hate sand? Uh, um, the Odio Arena. 
Jeff, any uh, closing thoughts? I just, I'm, I'm not looking forward to having to redo this trilogy on, on 4M. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, because I mean, we don't have to. It's your podcast. I, I, but I'm just saying, fan, fans by want popular it. demand. Yeah. Have you done Dexter? Yet? It is. It's not as bad as the end of Dexter. There, I've got a compliment for this series. For this, yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's true. It That's didn't true. get Scott bucked up. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> It is also not as bad as the end of Lost. Oof. Okay. At least they tried to make some connections in this movie that, yeah. you know, they were, it was, it was either pandering or Easter egg dropping, but they were just like, Organa. It's like, oh, I know that name. Right. And, yeah. you know, there were just the little things all throughout there. They're just kind of sprinkled in I, like, here's this. I mean, we haven't even talked about the whole battle on Kashyyyk, which makes Oh my god! Has no relevance, no emotional power. We have no context for it, except that Chewbacca apparently is part of the ruling leaders of the planet twenty years before he becomes a fugitive. For like, Kash- the battle in Kashyyyk, I think, is the worst fan service in the whole in the whole set of prequels. Like, yep. it just it does nothing. So, <laughs> unlimited power was goofy. There was a Wilhelm scream early in the movie that was awful. Um, in Kashyyyk, though, when, excuse me, when Wookiees are, are swinging in on vines to like land on the drone or on the, the droid ships, the water ships or whatever, there's a Tarzan yell. And if you have the subtitles on, it literally says Tarzan yell. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> and I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" That's <laughs> so bad. All right, all right. I think let's wrap up. Um, uh, I want to give each of you a chance. Uh, Jeff, I think most of our listeners probably already know the kind of stuff you're doing, but since I do have some Star Wars uh, listeners who aren't used to the whole uh, Stranded Panda Network, you want to just give a quick uh, if people want to hear more about what you're doing. Sure. Uh, I am the co-host of the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, kind of the uh, the flagship, I guess, of Stranded Panda, the Stranded Panda Podcast Network. Uh, you can find everything about MCU cast and what I've been talking about 4M, Monday Morning Movie Medics, where we try to save a script or story that failed us, uh, despite being woefully underqualified to do so. Um, you can find all of that on strandedpanda.com. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Cool. Yeah, we've also recently launched uh, another podcast on there called PandaVision. We've been referencing the fact that we're talking about Umbrella Academy. That's all on PandaVision, as is The Boys. A lot of great stuff to check out. Uh, and Paul, I know you recently launched, uh, or you're in the process of launching, a uh, new creative outlet. Yeah, Tell us about that. launched. Um, I think I had one viewer today. <laughs> um, I, I started streaming a little bit. Um, my sort of theme is um, learning things and skill acquisition, stuff like that, so... I'm probably going to be streaming a lot of poker, um, some chess, some language learning, and sort of who knows what else, maybe. Uh, I have a website, zenmadman.com, that currently doesn't really have anything on it. Um, but that Zen Madman is my website, my uh, Twitch handle, and Twitter handle. So you can look at those, awesome. and at some point in time, there will be content there. Yeah. So if we get his <laughs> listener numbers up, we can see him learning lightsaber yeah. forms. Yeah, no, I'll do, uh, I'll do that. I'll do that. <laughs> Awesome. I probably won't. All right. 
Well, thank you guys both so much. Thank you all both so much. This was a great episode. Um, I also want to thank our special guests, uh, Haley, Tiger Eyes, and Ash, all of whom had great contributions uh, and were basically our guests on this episode. And thank you for that and anyone else in chat who I didn't reference. um, But many of you in chat uh, made some great comments. Thank you. Um, We do this because we love conversations. So we'd love it if you you want to keep conversation with us. um, Let us know what you think. Did you really like Revenge of the Sith? Um, Is there... Levels of hatred that we haven't even found yet that you have gone to. Um, Favorite fan theories that you have. Um, Let us know. You can find us on um, Facebook, on Twitter, uh, or on email. All the links are on the strandedpanda.com website and then going to Star Wars Universe Podcast. So Jeff, Paul, Ash, Tiger Eyes, uh, Haley, everyone else has been a part of it. Thank you all so much for being a part of this episode. Uh, Thank you to all our fans for listening. Have a great day. I have spoken.